Elliot, did you hear Jeff Goldblum is actually going to be in the new Jurassic World sequel? Okay. Um, well, how are they going to write him into the story? Well, life finds a way. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. <laughs> Geek Counter Geek number 89, the Mike Ditka edition. Keith Conrad, Elliot Serrano over there. Elliot, how you doing this week? Feeling good, feeling fine. Gonna throw my clipboard down in uh, honor of Iron Mike. And uh, yeah, Iron Mike, uh, or you know, Mike Ditka. He's uh, I, I'd say he's very close in, to uh, to Clint Eastwood in that he went from being like the 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 nice old man. To just the the angry guy very quickly, I, you know. Now, now Mike Mike Ditka was always kind of kind of famous for having a temper, but especially you know when he wasn't coaching anymore, he was just kind of the nice old analyst guy, and and then that just sort of changed for him. Hey, Neil from Northlake would disagree with you. He would. That that is that is actually <laughs> very true. Yeah. I, for, I for folks who are listening to the show and are you know you're listening to a geeky counter geek podcast hoping to hear us talk about geek stuff and you're not so much into uh, the sports ball um well there was it was a time back in his heyday when a caller um on the mike ditka radio show pretty much got under ditka's skin and ditka pretty much pretty much i'm saying pretty much over and over again (laughs) ditka said this is my address Come on down, and I'll kick your ass. And that would famous. The caller would be famously known as Neil from Northlake. I and, put uh, it right up there in the uh, in the category of Buzz Aldrin punching the uh, the moon truther as far as the troll getting their comeuppance. Oh, that that one is the greatest one, though. That is the greatest one right there. You know, and it would have been great to see Mike Ditka punch Neil from Northlake. But as you said. Yeah, he went from being, you know, uh, it's funny. He was a somewhat restrained and reasonable person, uh, ironically, when he was the coach of the Chicago Bears. Um, Again, for folks who may not know, in Chicago, the 1985 Chicago Bears are revered pretty much like Jesus and the Apostles. Well, I I don't think that's giving them enough credit. I I think they're a little (laughs) bit bigger than that. A little bit bigger than that and the Beatles. Hey, the Bears are bigger than the Beatles, at least in Chicago. Those guys never pay for a meal anywhere. They walk into a bar, they never pay for a drink. That's how much it's like um, the city of Chicago considers them like the first girlfriend that you went all the way with and you never forget them. So, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's, I, that's, a, that's an excellent description. And you know, I, I would assume that at some point the 2016 Cubs will be that way, but there are, you know, it's just so, so fresh in everybody's mind that they haven't quite achieved the legendary status yet. Well, the, the thing with the Cubs is, though, remember, we have another baseball team in Chicago. I forget its name, and I forget where they oh, play. Oh, oh yeah, and, I, I've, I've heard about them occasionally, yeah. I think, I think even the folks who say they're fans of that team 
forget because I don't remember the last time I seen them at games. But <laughs> but it's like with the Bears, it was everyone in the city was behind them. The Cubs, you know, they're 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 the majority of the people in Chicago are Cubs fans. There's the other ones that have like this weird disorder where for some reason they don't see blue and white they see black and white <laughs> but anyway back to my ditka and though now my ditka has reached like crazed angry um demented we're we're not sure he, he even he knows what he's talking about that phase now much like clint eastwood talking to a chair at the rnc uh convention you know i don't know he's just it, it both Mike Ditka and Clint Eastwood um, have. Uh, uh, oh yes, both Mike Ditka and Clint Eastwood have had their issues with Barack Obama. Remember when Barack, have, Obama, yeah. Barack Obama was running for Senate? He, uh, 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 Mike Ditka said, "Hmm, maybe I'll run against him." He he considered running as a Republican um, um, candidate for U.S. Senator out of Illinois. And many people said, don't do it, don't do it. You're just a celebrity. No one will vote for you. And boy, in retrospect. <laughs> well, well, here's here's what's interesting. To tie it back to Buzz Aldrin, to make it a little bit geeky here, uh, I remember uh, several years ago, uh, I, I think it was for like maybe the 40th anniversary of Apollo 11, uh, Buzz Aldrin did a an interview with Time Magazine where he took a bunch of questions from people. And uh, someone asked him if he had ever considered running for office because, you know, this was not too long after John Glenn had flown in space again. So, you know, hey, you know, John Glenn's in the Senate. Harrison Schmidt was in the Senate. Uh, you know, there's been been other people who uh, who were former astronauts that ran for Congress. And, you know, he said, you know, would, would you ever think about doing that? And uh, Buzz Aldrin, I think, had the greatest answer that shows that he's probably the wisest man in America. Because he said, uh, you know, right now, if you asked people, probably about 80% would say they had a, a, a really good view of me, that they, they'd say that they liked me. Why would I trade that to have 51% of the population tolerate me and the other 49% hate my guts? <laughs> that's a smart man right there. Yeah, smart, smart <laughs> that, that, that pretty much sums up, you know, that, like I said, that was several years ago, but it pretty much sums up American politics right now. When, when you're in office, they hate you. It's not until you're out that they talk about how great you were or whatever. I suspect that's not going to be the case anymore. No. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see, though. Uh, you can reach the show. You can follow us on Twitter at GeekCounterGeek.com. You can follow myself at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter and uh and uh, elliot you're uh, at elliot serrano on twitter no middle initial a couple t's couple r's and a couple l's two l's two t's two r's both on twitter and the instagram i have a snapchat but i hardly use it but if you want to snap me follow me on snapchat i'll snap you back uh, facebook elliot dot serrano um, and, uh, of course we do have the geek counter geek Facebook page as well, where we've been, um, we try to post uh, links to the podcasts as well as the fun stuff that's coming up. Uh, and and I also, by the way, I just, uh, on the Facebook page, speaking of which, uh, I posted a, a link to the, the brand new trailer for Star Trek discovery, which was released this week. 
Star Trek Discovery, yeah, which um, it looks... I, I remember uh, when I saw it, because everyone... Well, remember the first quote-unquote teaser trailer was just the reveal of the logo for Discovery. And now you get a look at um, the two, two of the main characters, Michelle Yeoh's character. Um, I forgot the other actress's name already. Uh, she was on The Walking only, Dead. Yeah, we've only said her name like a hundred times. Sonequa Martin-Green. Who, if I'm wrong, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, according to this trailer, she's a Vulcan? Well, no, um, she, she like, is... Like, I, I think she like she is Vulcan. human. She might she might be half, half Vulcan. It, it, that that definitely hasn't been rolled out. But it, yeah. it uh, you know there's definitely some human in there because Sarek you know basically calls her out on being too human. Too human, and also no, she doesn't have the Vulcan ears. Because um, I kept looking at the trailer, going, "Wait, I, it sounds like Sarek is saying yes, you're too human. You can never pronounce the Vulcan tongue." Um, we see a scene from a young child that I'm assuming is her. I'm wondering, maybe she was adopted by Vulcans. I don't know. Maybe she's a ha- like Spock, half human, half Vulcan. But no, no Vulcan ears there. And of course, dark skinned, which um, is thrilling uh, many folks because they say, you know, it's about time that you have more uh, people of color represented on Star, Star Trek. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, we already see, is a captain, and she's trying to get. Um, the uh, you know uh, a, a command position, I would guess. Yeah, it sounds like she's in sort of a uh, uh, she's in sort of a Riker position where uh, she you know maybe is resting on her laurels too much, and the captain's trying to get her to uh, to be a little bit more ambitious. And uh, you know the um, the the original renderings and stuff that we saw of the Discovery looked kind of weird. It looked a, a little bit more. I actually kind of looked like a cross between um, a, a Starfleet ship and a Klingon ship, but the 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 actual um, you know the the actual ship that we saw in the trailer it actually looks a little bit more traditional Star Trekky. It looks. Uh, I was going. It had okay. There was so much J.J. Abrams lens flare. <laughs> That, that, that is definitely in there. Yeah. Wait, did Abrams do this episode or did this this pilot? But uh, when you freeze it, when you freeze um, the the images of if if that is indeed the discovery, it f- harkened back to the Enterprise from Star Trek the Motion Picture. So I'm like, oh, okay, I can kind of feel that. Although way more polished, seems like he's got a ton of chrome on there. It does not feel uh, at all like 10 years before the classic series. I'm yeah, sorry. Because being 10 years before the classic series, you would expect them to be like in the same sort of vintage. Like, you know, if you look at the U.S. Navy in uh, 20 in 2007 versus now, you wouldn't notice a whole lot of difference. Right. Um, the, the And when you look at, let's say, the Apollo capsules from the 1960s and the space shuttle. Um, the, 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 the switches themselves also feel very much, very similar. I mean, it amazes me the number of buttons and switches that there are in the space shuttle. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, actually, you know, yeah, that's a really good point that if you look at, if you look at the control panel on an Apollo spacecraft versus the shuttle, the shuttle's just a lot bigger, but it looks the same. 
Mm-hmm. And th- and that would seem uh, when they did the 1960s uh, Star Trek, you could tell that they were trying to sort of evoke that with the paneling and the switches on the Enterprise. Um, but but of course, try to make it look like it was hundred year hundreds of years later. Um, well, and, and the funny thing is that uh, you know a lot of this, even even on the the trailer, you can tell that a lot of this is green screen, so you can make it look however you want. So it's it's kind of funny that they didn't make at least some effort to make it match the original series, or at least look look like it was in the same ballpark. You know, because because even uh, Abrams in the in the reboot before your uh, you know, before the timeline switches and, and they're on the, the Kelvin, uh, I totally buy that as being 25 years before the original series. And then the Enterprise turns into a genius, you know, a genius store. Right, exactly, yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see what happens. We, we didn't learn a whole lot about the story. We learned that uh, uh, she had, the main character has some ties with the Vulcan. We learned that the Klingons look different again. Uh, that, that was um, that, yeah, pretty pretty different. I mean, the J.J. Abrams Klingons looked a bit like um, the um, the next gen Klingons, but a they, they were like metrosexual versions of the next gen Klingons. Yes, yeah, and um, yeah, with dreads and the like. Um, but the, the I'm guessing you know you you have the budget to make you know, cool looking alien creatures, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that, that's I, the, that's the only reason that the, you know, the original series Klingons didn't have the forehead ridges they did later on is they just didn't have the budget for it. They didn't have the budget. They just had the makeup. And, um, and, and I, like many other, you know, Trek fans are going, okay, we'll reserve our judgment. Another thing too, that we know that the um, CBS upped, the episode order from 13 to 15 episodes. So well, that's about the first bit of good news that's come out of the production of Star Trek Discovery. Oh. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're really thinking this is going to be it. I, I, though, quite frankly, um, had I known that Brian Fuller was still the showrunner, I'd probably feel a lot better about it. But, well, uh, uh, no such luck. But uh, he, he says they still know his phone number. So, you know, you never know. <laughs> and there, there's so many. It's like I, I remember talking to David Gerald, one of the classic Star Trek writers. And I asked him if he had been approached by um, CBS um, to, like, write or consult on the show. He goes, he's sitting by his phone waiting. He hasn't gotten any calls. So I, I think, you know, if um, CBS wants to start generating some positive buzz and more goodwill among you know the hardcore trekkies bring bring in some of those um bring in some of those classic writers they're out there you know they they're looking they can use the work you know dc fontana all the others yeah well, well especially since um you know each um each uh uh you know, season is going to be like a, its own self-contained story arc. I think it'd be really cool if they brought in like DC Fontana and said, "All right, you saw what we're what we're going for here with this new series. What would you do for season two? And even if they're not involved in like the day-to-day writing of it, just you know, maybe maybe have them come up with uh, you know with where you're taking the story next, like the overall arc, like like they like uh, like they would do with X Files, where you would have. Um, episodes that advance a particular mythology, 
uh, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it would be who was the big bad of a particular season. Um, you can do the same thing with um, Star Trek. You know, and it's episodic, but with the overall arc that um, you know gets people coming back from week to week, and 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 hopefully, hopefully. Um, brings back some of that flavor, that spirit of classic Trek. I mean, they finally figured it out in Star Trek uh, um, Beyond. So right, yeah, and, was, and uh, the the good news is, I don't think I, you know, I might have to watch the trailer again. I don't know that I saw one explosion in this whole in the whole trailer. <laughs> yeah, so. You know, although it's funny, Star Trek Beyond was the best of the new Trek films, and it's the one that did the worst in the box office. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, it actually did bad enough that uh, you know they weren't jumping up and down saying, "Hey, Star Trek Four is coming out in two years." Yep. <laughs> and uh, Chris Pine is you know getting going over to Wonder Woman. How, how uh, funny is how funny is franchise. that? It, it's a it's a total role reversal because you know it, when you think about it, uh, in a lot of ways, at various times, the like the original series people almost had to be kind of dragged kicking and screaming back into Star Trek. And uh, you know, like Spock wrote a or Leonard Nimoy. Sorry, he had a real name. Uh, Leonard Nimoy wrote a, a whole book about, hey, you know, I've I, I'm not really I Spock. Not Spock. I, I've done other things too. And uh, in this case, it's the actors and actresses who are like, yeah, we'd really like to do another one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why Why would I say no to work? That, like that's true. Ask, yeah. Like when people ask you and McGregor, would you like to do an Obi Wan Kenobi movie? <clears throat> He's gonna go no. I don't want to pay my mortgage or whatever. Well, for a while there, you got to feel bad for Chris Pine because for a while there, he was Captain Kirk and Jack Ryan. And then Jack Ryan just sort of went away. That went away. And yeah. And, and, and now then, uh, and now Jim from the office is going to be Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. And uh, and Carl Urban, though, uh, there's talk about him being uh, Judge Dredd in the Netflix TV series after did after doing what many folks consider to be a a bang up job in the Judge Dredd movie. Um, so yeah, we'll see. You know, Carl Urban, people love him. You know, he 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 needs to keep finding it a job. His his other show on Fox got canceled. So yeah, yeah, I, I that that one lost me after like two episodes. So speaking of uh, ill conceived retellings of uh, beloved stories, uh, <laughs> I, I know uh, I know you want to talk a little bit about uh, about Steve Rogers. Yeah, you know uh, the the. Second issue of uh, Secret Empire, the big event that's going on in Marvel, uh, in Marvel Comics. Where and, and this is the one where he said, uh, Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra, where Steve Rogers has been, you know, it was a whole thing where he revealed himself to be a Hydra double agent, which made a lot of people really angry because they equate Hydra with um, Nazis um, and then there, there were, there were, you know, there was a much a, a gnashing of the teeth and a great hue and cry, <laughs> saying that you can't, you know, Steve Rogers can't be a Nazi because it's unconscionable. They would never have Captain America do something like that. And then forgetting that there was an actual Captain America, a classic Captain America issue by Stanley and Jack Kirby, where 
Captain America was under mind control by the Nazis, and there's a panel where he's giving the Nazi salute to Hitler himself. You know, so uh, there's this, this great outcry of now. now wait a minute, outrage. you're saying yes. people were outraged when they didn't know what they were talking about. When has that happened? <laughs> Especially when they were outraged about a comic book they didn't even read, you know, and they weren't reading the Captain America comic itself, and they weren't reading the Sam Wilson Captain America uh, comic, which accompanies. Um, the Steve Rogers Captain America book, and it's really um, a case of two parallel tracks that Nick Spencer, the writer, um, is using the two titles to tell stories from the two different perspectives. And when you sit here and you cry, you've turned Captain America into a Nazi, I will counter and say, no, actually, Captain America right now is a black man who is fighting for civil rights and justice in America. You guys are just fix, fixating on the old white guy, which is, you know, ironic, especially when you have so many folks within the comics community who want to they want representation and diversity in comics. And they're utterly ignoring, you know, the Sam Wilson, Captain America um, um, character. So, you know, now the second issue of Secret Empire is out and it's been revealed that. Oh, wait, there's another Steve Rogers out there in the time stream who's trying to find his way back to, you know, his current this current reality where the evil Steve Rogers has taken over the world. And, you know, if if it comes out later that it turns out that the quote unquote evil Steve Rogers was a clone or whatever or an alternate timeline version or whatever, blah, blah, blah and the quote-unquote real Steve Rogers was always the pure, you know, bastion of hope and freedom and so on. I really do hope that all these folks who were ready to burn Nick Spencer's house down are ready to stand up and go, okay, we should have waited until the end of the story. You've got to wait until you get to the very end and you see the entire story that they're trying to tell, and then as soon as Steve Rogers wakes up next to Suzanne Plachette and the story's (laughs) over, then you know whether it's been right or wrong. Well, in this case, it would be Haley Atwell. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. That well, but you know, and and that the thing that and this is a part about this whole, um, this whole Steve Rogers is a Nazi, and and when you say that, that that I bristle at that, you know, because these these are people who are trying to force, they're trying to force outrage, and and here's and this, this is the other thing too. I don't want to get too political here, although this is really kind of a political argument. Because this is pretty much very left-leaning comic book fans who are angry about the alt-right in America. And, they, I mean, they come out and they say that Nick Spencer is an alt-right sympathizer, a fascist. Um, that, you know, that these, you know, this is Nick Spencer trying to push an agenda through comics. Again, ignoring that the exact opposite point of view is being... Um, explored in Sam Wilson, Captain America. Remember, you're talking about Nick Spencer, not Richard Spencer. Not Richard Spencer, right. That dude, punch him. (laughs) But Nick Spencer, who is a pretty good comic book writer, 
um, is really getting like dragged. I mean, now it's not people aren't happy just saying that, oh, the story sucks and we don't like it, even though they're not reading it. But now they're writing hit pieces about him on blogs. They're going back into his past about the time when he um, ran for office when he lived in Cincinnati, you know. Um, and, 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 and to me, it's like, wow, this is, this is the left doing a lot of the things that they would bitch and moan about the right doing. And, and, and it's uh, remember uh, what was a while back. I'm sure I talked about this on the podcast. Remember how I said things were getting so nutty in America. I was actually starting to sympathize for those second amendment nuts who wanted to have guns all the time. Yeah, I do remember hearing that. I I made special note of that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, now I'm beginning to sympathize with those right wing guys who talk about the quote unquote intolerant left. Yeah. You know, well, you're almost you're almost tempted to think that they're all people and people just in general kind of suck. <laughs> or people need to learn to better express themselves or learn that there's there's more than one side, you, you know, more than your side to the story and that it's not always your right and everybody else is wrong. You know that, you know, they're they say two, three sides, of every story, yours, mine and the truth. And you find the truth somewhere in between. And to me, and, and and I'm gonna say, if you were one of those people who hashed it, hashtag je suis Charlie Hebdo, you know, after the, that terrible incident that happened in Paris, and you said, well, cartoonists and artists <laughs> need to be able to express themselves. And, oh. and now they now they literally wanted to crucify a cartoonist. They want to, yeah, they want to, they're, they're pretty much, I mean, not, they're not gonna go to his house and shoot him. You know that the, I don't think I would hope no one would would um would uh, condone that. You know, although, although you are, you do have nutty folks. You know, the, the, Nick Spencer was getting death threats. Okay, he was getting death threats over this whole thing. But you know, if you said you know that you were up for the rights of these people for because well, um, Muhammad is just a religious character, a religious figure, and a fictional character, and you know we have freedom of expression and blah, blah, blah. Hey, guess what? Captain America is a fictional character. And he was, you know, Nick Spencer was trusted by Marvel, pretty much the owners of that character, to tell this story. So, you know, if you don't like it, don't buy it, don't read it. If you don't read it, you don't talk about it, no one talks about it, guess what? The story goes away. It goes away. Nobody talks about it. No one makes a big deal about it. Yeah, nobody I, buys the comic books. They stop making those comic books and start making other ones. Making other ones. I mean, I know I myself, I wrote a comic book before the election that I was really concerned was going to tick off a lot of folks because the way I was writing it, you would have thought I hated Hillary Clinton and was totally supporting Donald Trump. And anyone who knows me, that's total, that's BS. There's no way I could have supported wait, Donald Trump. Wait, wait, wait. You, you, su- you didn't support Donald Trump? Okay, maybe I, did, I supported him when he was on The Apprentice. Okay, but, yeah. <laughs> not running for, although it was pretty funny when he took down Marco Rubio. I mean, that was, and I, even for a moment I thought, wow, Donald Trump as President of the United States for the entertainment value alone would be worth it. And then I remembered I said the same thing about Rahm Emanuel as mayor of Chicago. Boy, do I regret that too. 
<laughs> so, so again, when it comes to you know opinions, everyone's entitled to them. And but it, you cross when you start going into um, attacking a person personally, attacking a writer over what he thinks he's doing wrong with a character again in a book that you don't even read, right? In a book that you don't you haven't read in God knows how long that the only reason they did this with Captain America was to get people interested in the book and buy it and see what happens, you know? That's why you do that. And in the end Cap's going to be fine. Steve Rogers is going to be fine. He's going to be who he is. You know, he's not always going to be the bad guy, right? So, you know, the, all this outrage that was going on, and as Secret Empire progresses and unfolds, we're going to see everyone got all angry for really no reason. And one last time, I'm going to say this time and time again. If Hydra is a Nazi organization, because at some point it had Nazis in it, no, remember it's it's the uh, it's the guys who thought the Nazis were too nice and cuddly, right? <laughs> then NASA is also a Nazi organization because we all know Operation Paperclip. We wouldn't have gone to the moon without those Nazi scientists. That's true. We wouldn't have. So uh, <laughs> that's my rant. I'm sorry. Uh, forward slash end rant. <laughs> So speaking of uh, beloved franchises that are going to be spun off into oblivion, uh, so now uh, news came uh, last week that uh, HBO is planning as many of, as five spinoffs for Game of Thrones. Now, I, I'm, tr I'm trying to think here. When was the last time there was a, a spinoff that actually did well? You mean of a show? Yeah. Well, I don't know of any that did five, but I do know of spinoffs that did fairly well. I mean, uh, if you go back a bit, well, MASH gave us Trapper John MD. Are uh, you going to be watching Trapper John Snow? Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, uh, they got to give me, they got to bring back um, 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 the Hawkeye gal, you know, the one who tried to shoot him with the arrows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there, there, was then, yeah. there was Frasier. That was, uh, Frasier. That was a spinoff. I will say I enjoyed Frasier a lot more than um, than Cheers. In fact, if you watch old episodes of Frasier, they hold up way better than old episodes of Cheers do. Yeah, uh, I found that too. I, I was probably a bigger fan of Frasier at the time, but even trying to go back and watch them, uh, yeah, Fra Frasier holds up, Cheers not so much. Uh, Archie, uh, All in the Family gave us the Jeffersons. Oh, that's true. Um, gave... Uh, gave us the Florence uh, apart was it apartment two twelve? Trying to remember the name of that show. Uh, with his his um, uh, housekeeper, um, the one with her family. Uh, then Perfect Strangers, remember, gave us the spinoff of um, Oh Family Matters. That's right. They were uh, yeah. That we wouldn't have known Urkel if it wasn't for Family Matters because because right. she was the matters. elevator operator, wasn't she? Which th think uh, about think about that, uh, um, uh, Elliot. Uh, in that spinoff, so uh, I believe her name was Harriet. Was uh, was Carl Winslow's wife? Yes. Um, she was the elevator operator in a newspaper. So there's literally no way that that could that reference could be more out of date. 
<laughs> True. Although I always imagine imagine that uh, Family Matters was the show starring uh, Carl Winslow's character from Die Hard. You, you know? see that that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been like yeah, and I kept waiting for it. Would have been great to have Bruce Willis just show up, you know, one day, you know, just say hello. Yeah. How you doing, pal? Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> so, so I know that there's a lot of aspects of the you know the Game of Thrones. Uh, universe that haven't necessarily been explored. So there's there's probably some uh, some some territory for some interesting stories. I just uh, I just don't know. But you know, really, has HBO done a bad show lately? So, well, you know, if if George R R Martin is kind of consulting on this, I would guess you know it'll it'll be okay. Although again, five show five different shows. That's I don't know I I can't think of any uh, yeah. franchise that spit that had that many successful spinoffs. Well, I mean, uh, I I would assume if they're you know they're, they're probably basically just kicking the tires on five ideas and you know they're probably thinking maybe one of these will work out. Yeah. So well, we'll see. Or they'll have we'll literally see. a new a whole new sub channel of HBO. You know, or they'll have like HBO East Coast, West Coast, and then just Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones would be pretty much all of the the, it, the Game of Thrones channel, the GOT channel. See, because I know, you know, you could do the same thing with Westworld. You could have, uh, you know, some sort of uh, some sort of show that actually, you know, shows the world outside of the park because we haven't seen any of that. Look, you got so obsessed with the idea you got so obsessed because you found out that you could. You didn't come to consider if you should. <laughs> yeah, it's a common problem. Yep. Especially with uh, stories involving Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton? <laughs> well, Michael Crichton, uh, God rest his soul, um, you know, uh, um, di- di- didn't find an idea that he didn't want to run into the ground. If you've read... Uh, Congo, it's essentially Jurassic Park, but with monkeys. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, you know, really all his stories were kind of the same. When you, when you think about it, you know, there was this sort of like secret world that you didn't know existed. You know, sometimes it's a theme park. Sometimes it's a, it's a government organization that, uh, uh, you know, is, is, you know, looking out for viruses from space. You know, and then uh, you're you're introduced to it, and then everything goes uh, goes haywire, and that's uh, that's pretty much Michael Crichton's story. But they're yeah, all very much. good. Well, that's really good. And then when it comes about looking out for something, I think we need to look out for our sponsors. You know, uh, who up to this point we have yet to mention the great folks at Tweaked Audio, sponsors of Geek Counter Geek. Um, if you want to get Headphones and accessories where you can listen to our podcast or any on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Use it for listening to your favorite music on your MP3 player or phone. Use them for gaming. Visit tweakedaudio.com to check out headphones that have key features like eight colors and styles. Uh, There are mic'd and non-mic'd versions, so you can use them for, again, gaming or holding conversations. They are designed to sound great for music and talk, have noise-reducing designs, and a lifetime warranty. 
All you have to do is go to tweakedaudio.com. That's tweakedaudio.com and use the discount code GCG at checkout for 33% off and a free worldwide shipping. Yes, you could be living in New Zealand and they'll ship them to you for free. The or just visiting New paid. Zealand and getting packages delivered there. Yeah, man, because I, the shipping's free. Why not? Um, again, the code, the discount code is GCG, as in Geek Counter Geek, and the, it is not case sensitive. So when you order lots of stuff, get 33% off, tell them that Geek Counter Geek sent you. And you can use your brand new shiny uh, tweaked audio headphones to listen to uh, other podcasts on the Radio Misfits uh, network, like Minutia Men. This time they're... Uh, they're tackling uh, uh, a, a, a very important issue that's plagued many people uh, snoring. They have a minutia about snoring. I know that. That's, yeah. I mean, I have not, yeah, uh-huh. There, there's a reason why I sleep alone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our, our friends at uh, Losano and friends, they're actually, uh, they're tackling the, uh, the Steve Harvey memo. I don't know if you saw. Uh, saw I saw the, the, the Steve exhaustive, Harvey memo. I read it. The, the exhaustive news coverage of that. I have a friend who actually works for Steve Harvey as his warm-up guy, and he had some opinions about that. I know uh, Lozano and friends, they had uh, another uh, local comedian, uh, Vicki Eisenstein. They've had her on the show. Great gal, great funny gal. She's been on there to talk about different topics. Oh, yeah, she's the best. Yeah. And there's this this brand new podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it yet, uh, Elliot. Uh, It's called The Dishing Bitches. Oh, the dishing bitches! Yeah, they're back. Yeah, they have uh, seven uh, <laughs> secrets to dating uh, from from the experts online. So, oh, really? Yeah. Ooh, I'm gonna have to listen to that one because I'm telling you, my dating game is really, really rusty. Um, you know, I um, uh, in the interests of full disclosure, I have actually gone out with one of the dishing bitches. We went out once. And I've never heard from her again. So maybe Um, I'll just need to listen to their podcast and find out why. uh, You never know. It might come up. Uh, The Radio Misfits Podcast (laughs) Network. uh, Great talk radio isn't dead. It just went to a better place. It's it's at a farm in upstate New York. (laughs) Yes, that's what happened to great talk radio. Because I'm definitely not hearing it a lot of other places in my life. I'm just saying. Uh, but uh, so one really big piece of exciting news for me, because I'm I despite the fact that I'm a uh, raging libertarian, uh, I'm a big fan of H.G. Wells. And really, uh, you put the you put the words War of the Worlds on anything and I'm, I'm going to be all a Twitter about it. And uh, the BBC has announced that they're producing a three part miniseries and it's the BBC. So, you know, that eventually it's going to show up on uh, on PBS here in the States. Uh, but they're making a miniseries based on the War of the Worlds. And the thing that's going to make this unique is it's actually going to be a period play, period piece taking place in 1899 when the book was written and not actually now. And uh, that that's something that they've, you know, nobody's ever done before as far as I know. And, uh, I, you know, come to think of it, it's probably the only way you could tell that story in a unique and interesting way because it's kind of been done to death because you know you think about it they've had a couple movies of the war of the worlds they've had a radio play they had a tv series um 
you know, how many different ways can you, can you say that? Plus, just about damn near every alien invasion story has basically ripped off War of the Worlds in one way or another. I mean, Independence Day, it was a shot-for-shot remake, except the they gave the computers a virus instead of the aliens themselves. But that was the only difference. Yeah, it was De- De- Devlin and Emmerich thinking, wow, we're clever. <laughs> the, um, that, that does fascinate me, although... I will say um, it has been done before, mind you, in comic book form, when uh, Alan Moore did it with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and the, the cool part was that the, the Martians were attacking, and that was Alan Quartermain, uh, Nina Harkness, um, 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 Dr. Um, Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the Invisible Man, they were the ones who had to repel the Martian invasion back in 1899. Um, and um, what to me, though, what really where they really where Alan Moore really dropped the ball was John Carter was the one who saw the Martians leave Mars and come to Earth. He never came to Earth to help fight uh, the Martians, which is like, darn it. Oh, man, that that, that's been... like it's like Avenger territory with John Carter exactly. and Alan Quartermain. And yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. Oh, hmm. So. But that was that was in a comic book version. It wasn't in a television version. And um, can you imagine, though, something like that as the actual movie, as opposed to the stupid idea that they came up with <laughs> for the League of Extraordinary, like, Extraordinary Gentlemen movie? I mean, the movie was so dumb and the idea they used for it was so stupid. I don't even remember who they were fighting in that movie. Uh, I don't either. And the movie was actually so bad that Sean Connery said, I'm done. I'm not acting anymore. It it made him retire. That's how bad it was. It caused him to retire. Because of that movie, we would never see Henry Jones uh, Senior again in a Raiders in a in an Indiana Jones movie. Bastards. Yeah, it, it's just just <laughs> just terrible. I, how do they sleep at night? I'm just curious as who they're going to cast in it though, because BBC they always seem to have like this. The, they have this stable of actors that they always bring in into their um into their series and if it's going to be science fiction oh my goodness can you imagine if they brought back like a whole bunch of the doc, uh, doctor who actors like get matt smith in there to play a character maybe get david tennant in there get um you know billy piper um and um uh, uh catherine tate you know just get them in there just to, to really just who up the whole thing that would be a lot of fun. Who up the whole thing? I like that. How about uh, you know, since it's it's sort of the same uh, same idea. What you could do is you know, since Star Trek Discovery is ten years before uh, uh, the original series, uh, you could actually make it a spinoff and have it uh, be the Downton Abbey characters ten years before that show starts. <laughs> well, they've already done like. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, so you'd have, like, Downton Abbey meets Mars Attacks, you know? Something. Yeah, I, I think uh, they might be onto something there. I, <laughs> why, why wouldn't you do that? It's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, at the, the trailer for Dunkirk, which, by the way, looks more amazing the more I see it. And uh, th- there's, a, there's a character there it's, that's uh, Mark Rylance's character, and I keep uh, I keep hoping that we're going to find out that that's Charles Lightoller from the Titanic, because I don't know how much you know about Charles Lightoller, but he's pretty much the the greatest hero in, in world history because he was shipwrecked four times, including being on the Titanic. And he once sunk a U-boat just by ramming his ship into it. 
And then when he was retired, he decided to take his own personal yacht over to Dunkirk to help evacuate people. So if you're Christopher Nolan and you're making a movie about Dunkirk, why wouldn't you put that in there? <laughs> oh, that, let's look at that IMDb page. You know, I, I have, and they don't list who his character is. So ah. there's still that, that that means there's still hope because if they put there's another still. name on it, unless it was John Harrison, then there might be a chance. Well, um, um, Chris Nolan might be like holding out, holding on to that one little nugget, you know, knowing I'm sure he's as big a history buff as you are. Well, I've actually I, I looked online because because I was looking for like any reference of that character actually being Charles Lightoller, and it turns out I'm not the only one who's thought of that. Like there, there's Just actually thought, uh-huh. there's a massive amount of people online saying, "Oh my God, is that Lightoller?" Hmm. Well, maybe so, if it's not, maybe uh, Nolan better get into post production and do some changes. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think uh, I'll definitely be uh, be up for watching uh, the War of the Worlds when it uh, when it comes out. You know, like a year later when it's on on PBS. <laughs> on uh, PBS, or uh, actually, you can now uh, stream shows from the BBC on their um, their new uh, online app, uh, the BBC Box. So you can. Um, get everything from there i that's probably i bet you they're gonna push that so you can stream it uh yeah they might and that that might be like their you know one of their first things that they're deciding they're going to charge for Mm-hmm. well they're already charging folks to watch doctor who so oh well then it wouldn't be the first thing that they're charging for see because they'll know hey those geeks they'll pay they'll pay especially if you get a whole bunch of doctor who cast members in the series yeah because then you got got everybody you got the people like me that are are big hg wells fans you got the 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 whovians uh you know they put uh, benedict cumberbatch in there and they're sold i mean it's done it's gonna be the biggest thing ever (laughs) benedict cumberbatch in the time machine benedict cumberbatch is playing some guy named john harrison in the war of the worlds (laughs) wow that guy gets around yeah, that's what that's what I would do if I if I were uh, if I were a uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, I, I would just request that hey, on the IMDb page, can you just call my character John Harrison? Because I survived the Titanic and now I'm gonna fight Martians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, as we mentioned, the Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy uh, is uh, two is doing relatively decent in the box office. I think it's actually outperforming the first one. Oh yeah, though so it's one of those um, one of those those uh, rare sequels that is uh, doing better. Mind you, Guardians Two did get to open in markets that Guardians One wasn't able to previously. Um, I believe this is the first uh, Guardians movie that got to open in Korea, so that Asian market was big. South and, um, Korea, not best Korea, right? Right, <laughs> right. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, so the, it's it's done quite quite well. You're definitely going to have a third one, and uh, Marvel Studios is quite happy with uh, how this one's done. So, in honor of the enormously successful Guardians of the Galaxy two, I I ask you this question, Elliot: um, If Groot, fully grown Groot, I, I might add, uh, fully grown Groot and Treebeard got into a fight, who do you think would win? Well, here's the thing, because uh, this is this is actually a great debate when you consider that Groot is almost 
kind of like an homage to Treebeard. You know, Treebeard does precede Groot. Groot is a character that was in the early 60s Marvel comics. Um, and it wasn't until much later that they decided to make him the lovable, you know, sidekick to Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, um, and uh, Treebeard, that, that would have been uh, Lord of the Rings was in the 40s? Yes. Yeah. Uh, way before that. So, um, so uh, Groot being who he is shouldn't really stand a chance against Treebeard. I mean, we're talking about an elder tree. We're talking about a force of nature. We're talking about, you know, a soul that 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 imbues all of the you know of of that world you know um um i want to i keep wanting to call it midgard <laughs> yeah i'm crossing uh, I'm crossing my fandoms middle earth um so is it isengard <laughs> isengard is for yeah the other place uh yeah. but um but let's face it groot has better brand recognition yeah uh if they were actually going to get into a debate, though, uh, I would probably give the uh, nod to Treebeard as well, because, you know, Groot has kind of a somewhat limited vocabulary. Yeah, but then later on, he can say that um, Treebeard got the questions before the debate. Yeah. Doesn't matter, though, because... Uh, wait. It doesn't matter, though, because no matter who actually wins the fight... Five minutes later, Nick Offerman is going to show up and turn them into a coffee table anyway. Nature is amazing. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron. I am Groot. <laughs>